God bless you, all of you, but God bless you. This is a very special time in your life. And what I say this morning, I want to say to you. They can listen if they want to, but I'm really directing this to you, okay? A little bit about my own journey of faith. I graduated from high school a couple of days ago. I'm glad you laughed at that. <laughs> it seems like a couple of days ago. Uh, we had three grandchildren. We have 22 grandchildren, but three of them graduated this year. One of them, many of you probably know, Benjamin Morris. And, uh, and we went to their open house, and I just, wow, to see what God's done in their life. What a blessing. Well, as I sat and wondered what to say, and I did this yesterday. I preached two times a day, every day last week, and last Sunday I was over in Silver Lake preaching at a Grace Community Chapel and uh, preach here this week and leave here and go to Back to Life Action and preach every day, twice a day for the next week, and then we have some time off. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> we are looking forward to that. We've been preaching every week somewhere since the first of the year and looking forward to, and, and enjoying the ministry God has called us to. We've been doing this now 29 years. I wish my wife were with me this morning. She would like to be here. She's with her 96-year-old mother who's in hospice care right now. And those are hard days. I even know you live long enough, that'll be you. No amens, I'm surprised, okay? <laughs> Let's get real this morning, okay? Well, I'm gonna take these off and I can just about see you, but nobody else, okay? I sat this picture in front of me at my desk yesterday, and that's Benjamin, and that's Eliana, and that's Trevor. You may know all of them, but I'm sure you know Benjamin. And that's a picture of their, the day of their open house. And I set it on my glass case that I keep my glasses in up here on the desk. And I set it there, and I looked at it, and I said, Lord, what would you have me say to them? What would you have me say to them? Because they're in that vintage, that generation, what would you have me say to them? So what I would say to them, to you this morning, is what I would say to them. If you only had 25 to 30 minutes, Tom, to say something to them, what would you say? Most of what I will say, I have said to them already, and I think it's worthy to pass on to you. Um, there's never been any word in the English language that has affected, or any other language, that has affected my life or the course of my life more than this one word. It's the word eternity. Eternity. The moment it leaves your lips, it demands faith. How many of you know the human mind is not... The concept of eternity is incomprehensible. You can't wrap your mind around it. You can wrap your faith around it but you just can't wrap the fallen capacity to comprehend that concept. Years ago, I read this, this quote from Francis de Sales. He was born 1567, he died 1622, at 55 years of age. Have any of you blew by that yet or not? How many of you are saying that's young now? Are you at that point, okay. You look back at 55, I was a young man, but nonetheless, this is what he said. He was in the Puritan vintage, okay? He said, you must form clearly within yourself the idea of eternity. Whosoever thinks well on this troubles himself little with what happens in these three or four moments of mortal life. I'm going to say that again. 
one must form well the idea, clearly within yourself, the idea of eternity. Whosoever thinks well on eternity troubles himself little with what happens in these three or four moments of mortal life. Last Sunday, we were on the west side of the state, Silver Lake, and we went out to the lake. We like to see the big waters. So we got there Saturday night, and we're going to speak Sunday morning. If you're familiar with that part of the state, the dunes are all there. The sand is unbelievable. And we went to the beach, and of course, we went by the dunes, and they got all these nutcases. No, never mind. These guys on these, they put up two flags, and the road is theirs. Never mind. Okay. 11 years of police work, I can't get over it, all right? It's just there. And I see them, and they're just loving the sand. Loading tires, all that kind of stuff. You know what time is compared to eternity? Time is one grain of sand on the seashores of eternity. Your life it just is a breath. I think the Bible actually says that. It says, what is your life, James? What is your life? Is even a vapor that appears for a little while. You see, we can put our minds around time, but we cannot around eternity. And time is just... What is your life? It's even a vapor. Literally in the Greek, that means a respire. It means the exhale of your life. If you live to be 80, the first part of your breath and inhale is 40 years. And the second half is an exhale. You get one breath. That's what life is compared to. It's like a shadow that passeth. It, the, the, the descriptive things, and David said it this way in Psalms 39, about verse 4, 5, 6, 7. He says this, O oh Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is, that I may know how frail I am, for all my days are like a hand breath. Jews, cubit, that's how they measured things, and this is a hand breath. You do fine work, finished work, carpentry, with this, because every time it's the same, and those guys used to learn how they never, they just did this. He said, David said, at the end of my hand, I can see from birth to death my entire life. In other words, the wood of the cradle rubs tightly against the marble of the tomb. At the end, I can see 70 years, three score and 10. He said, Lord, make me to know that my days and the measure of my days, what it is, that I know how frail I am, for all my days are like a hand breath, and my age is as nothing before you. Surely every man walks in a vain show. If his eye, if his focus is only upon time, he's going to miss it. Because life is too short and death is too certain. Do they let you say amen here? How many of you would agree with that? Life is too short. And death is too certain. You hang around, it's going to happen. And how many of you know you don't have a guarantee of three score and ten, or by reason of strength, four score? You don't have a guarantee. You don't have a guarantee of making it home. That's how fragile, how frail life is. So what should be my focus in this thing called life? It surely shouldn't be time. It should be eternity. Isaiah 57, 15, Thus saith the high and lofty one whose who inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Here's what he says. I dwell in the high and holy place, and with him who is of a broken and contrite spirit. Why? To revive the heart of the humble and to revive the spirit of the contrite one. God says, I want interaction with you. I want to let you know that this time does have significance. It affects all eternity. All of eternity is affected by the one grain of sand God gives us called time. So much of my life I've lived off the end of my nose what I can see at the moment. Are you going to let me take that one alone or does anybody know what I just said? <laughs> I've been guilty of what I'm preaching we should not do. I've been consumed with the moment to the neglect of eternity. 
I have focused on that which is perishing to the neglect of that which is eternal. It's what's in this that's eternal. This ain't eternal. How many of you are glad we get a new one one day? Anybody want to say amen to that? You don't want to know why this one's falling apart because of the curse of time. Man, eternity, eternity, eternity. There's days I can just say that word, eternity. Phew, perspective. Got it. We can do this. We can do this. This thing called time. How many of you know life has some troubles? How can we, how, how do you go through them babies? Eternity, eternity, eternity. I love that word. Now to the king, 1 Timothy 1, 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal. This may be a shock to you, but you're mortal. You know what mortal is? Look it up in your dictionary. It just means able to die. You're mortal. I'm a, I was 43 before I figured that out. Did you know that? I actually thought I would never die until I turned 43. And then all of a sudden I began to study the scriptures. And I began to see, yeah, you know, all these, you know the biggest obituary is Genesis chapter 5? And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. <laughs> Guess what? We've been, how you know that one piece of fruit was a high price tag? Would you agree with that? And we've been dying ever since. Well, what makes sense out of this thing called life and time? Eternity. A God who made man eternal. He gave him, formed of dust and ground, and he gave him something exactly like him. You know what it is? It isn't this. It's what's in this. It's the spirit of man. You're an eternal being, living for a moment in time in this thing called a body. It's under the curse of sin. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty. Oh, glorify God. 1 John chapter 2, 25. This is the first thing I'd tell you. Grab a hold of this concept called eternity and form, work it, form it, thinking about it, making it part of who, what shapes you, because what you do is absolutely immaterial. Who you are is what's important. And who you are, what makes a difference in who you are, is Christ Jesus the Lord, and whether or not you have eternal life. 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. And this is the promise that he promised us, eternal life. John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. You know the greatest things about salvation? It is a great thing to know you're saved. It's even greater to know for how long. How many of you are glad it didn't give you temporary life, left it in your hands, and the next time you blow it, you lose your life? He seals you unto the day of redemption, eternity. What is living in me now is not temporal. It's eternal. Man, that, that affects, that governs my choices. That affects my behavior. It shapes me. It begins to form me into the man of who he wants me to be. I got news for you. When I went to college, well, first of all, I went to all public school, all public college, secular college. I flunked the fifth grade. I should have graduated a year earlier. I'm glad I didn't. I married my wife. I met my wife, okay. She came from another school. I'd have missed her if I'd have graduated when I should have. Couldn't read, so I flunked the fifth grade. Cheated, I was ashamed of that. I wish I could do it over, can't do it. <laughs> How many of you have had a few things you could do over? You might do them differently. Anybody want to say amen to that? There's no do-e-overs. It's part and parcel of who you are in the journey of shaping you into who you are. My sister, same home, same biological parents, same everything, graduates valedictorian. Prolific reader, a real nerd. Just constantly reading, okay. I couldn't read. Report card time would come. She used to torment me. I never got a B. I said, I didn't either. 
Oh, some of you got that, didn't you? Any of you relate to this? Thank God for gym class. Is there anybody here that knows what I just said? That's your preacher. Who graduated? Oh, so who spoke this morning? Some flunky. You can tell him that, okay? I flunked. So I gravitated towards sports, not because I was a natural athlete. I was just big. I did all the stuff you had to do, and I won a four-year full-ride scholarship to go play football. You said golf. <laughs> football, same thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That was a cheap shot. I did not go to get an education. I went to play football. I was your typical, you'll have to ask the coach. That was me. Okay, I didn't know that. Graduated from college, and I wanted to be involved in, I think, I wanted to work for the DNR. I got a degree in biology and a minor in conservation. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, they weren't hiring. I joined the state police, state trooper. You might go to get an education, do one thing, and do something t totally different than what you get your education for. Any parent want to say amen to that? Yeah. I'll guarantee you I never dreamed I would be a public speaker preacher. Never in a million years would I ever do that. How do you know what makes the difference in your life? God, this eternal God we're talking about. Let him have his way in your life. Let him have his will in your life. I married a girl that never went to church a day in her life. She is a godly woman. Who would have ever dreamed? There's a God in heaven. Let Just begin to form clearly in your mind the concept of eternity. If it don't last forever, don't even look at it. If it's all about the castles here we build with sand, don't even look at it. Eternity, eternity, eternity. May it beat in your heart. He gives unto us eternal life. Life is so short and death is so certain. The glory of man is fleeting. The second thing I would say to you is I would say to my own grandchildren, to our own grandchildren, don't neglect your faith. Don't neglect your faith. The word negligence or neglect means habitual omission to that which ought to be done. Peter said in his first letter, his second letter, chapter 1, verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and are already established in the present truth. Yea, I think it fitting as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Remind yourselves of truths that you've grown up knowing. Because i got news for you. Um, don't neglect your faith. For a while you can live off others' faith. But there comes a point in time. I know children live off their parents' faith. And I don't know how to change it for a certain amount of time. But the time comes when you've got to start living off your own faith. How even know you can't make her to heaven on somebody else's faith? Please say amen. If you're born in a Muslim home, you're just a Muslim. You're born in a Hindu home, you're just a, you're born in a Christian home, you need to be born again. You see, there's a big difference. One of them says, here's the truth, what are you going to do with it? And you can live off that. You can live off things for a while, but eventually you've got to make them yours. Your faith gets you to have. Your faith gets you to walk with God. Don't neglect the faith that God has given you. It gives to every man a measure of faith. Take that faith. Strengthen that faith. Learn what it is to walk in faith and have it become your faith. Feed your faith and your fears will starve to death. Faith, feed your faith and your fears will starve to death. I've written a book that I want to give each one of you a copy of, and I've given them to once our grandchildren get between 12 and 13 and go through their time of consecration. A few years ago, I wrote one book a year for seven years to leave a legacy of faith to our children, our grandchildren. What did that old man believe? Why did he live the way he lived? Why did he want to impress upon us things he wanted to impress upon us? Because they can't live off old grandpa's faith and they can't live off the parents' faith. But I want to leave something that will encourage them. And here's what we need to do is be diligent. 
besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith, your faith. Not, don't add to the faith. The faith is completed. It was on trial 2,000 years ago. He passed the test. Say amen to that. Don't add to the faith the gospel, but you can add to your faith according to his, his divine promises given unto us, by which were given us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. When, you, when your faith engages the person of Jesus Christ, you don't receive a teaching. You receive a person, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power. For as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, it is not a teaching, it is the person. You receive Christ into your life. So walk ye in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith. That takes time. That takes a lifetime. Would you agree with that? You're in it. It begins with a first step. I, I got it. God revealed the gospel, and with my mustard seed faith, I placed it all in Jesus and asked him, come into my life and be my savior. How do you know the most important step in any journey is the first one? Would you agree with that? You've got to get saved, receive Christ, eternal life, and then you now become rooted and built up and established in the faith. Established, strong in the faith. Jude verse 20 says this, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, building yourself up, I wasn't a natural athlete. I told you, <clears throat> when I went to college, I weighed 215 pounds. I was going to be a tackle. They had halfbacks that weighed 235. They said, you ain't big enough. I made the team, got my scholarship. And they said, you ain't big enough. I said, how big do you want me? In six months, I weighed 260 pounds. <clears throat> and it was all where it was supposed to be. Do you know what that means? This was up here. <laughs> I used to love to go without a, with just a T-shirt on. Not anymore. <laughs> Man, I pumped iron. I ran up down them stupid bleachers to get in shape till I thought I'd go crazy. But I got news for you. I got strong. It's the same thing. You need to, listen, bodily exercise profiteth little. Say, the Greek word, my cross. How you know nobody's going to stand before God someday when God say, why should I let you in? Nobody's going to go, ooh, ooh, better let you in. That ain't going to happen. Would you agree? It's not going to happen. God loves faith, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of them that diligently. You know what the word diligent means? Steady application to the business at hand. It ain't going to be like this forever. I got news for you. In the next day, ask yourself this question. In the next 10 years, where do I want to be? In the next five years, where do I want to be? Ask yourself this question. In the next 10 years or five years, who do I want to be? You'll make the most major decisions of your life in the next decade. And if you're going to be honest, the first two went by in a blur. What are you, 18? A blur. Well, guess what? The next 50 will go by in a blur. Who do you want to be? You want to be a man or woman of faith, which God looks at and says, that's beautiful in my sight. Or do you want to have the whole world and lose your own soul? It's See, for an old man who's done the journey, look over my... This wasn't as clear to me when I was your age as it is now. Anybody want to say amen to that? How do you know when you look over your shoulder, everything I'm saying is true. But when they're there, they're going, this is all a future tense unseen. Would you agree with that? So, that's okay. I just want to drum roll. You've heard this before. Hear it again. You need to hear it again. Just hear it again. Number one, eternity. Wrap your mind as best you can and your soul around that one concept. It will govern your behavior. Number two, do not neglect your faith. Feed it. Romans 10, 17, you say, how do I feed it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The book I'm going to give you is titled by the Word of God. The seven books I wrote are on the absolute essentials of Christian, the basics, the stuff you already know. I tell people that want to buy these books, I say, if you're looking for some kind of a new revelation and deep truth that's going to wow you, these are not for you. If you want to read something you already know, this is for you. This is something you already know by the Word of God. This was book number three. Book number one, you must be born again. If you're not born again, the rest of the books are immaterial. All the religion of the world is immaterial. Have you had a born-again experience with God? By the way, I didn't make that up. Jesus said that. To a man who had more religion than all the people in this room, ground together, sort through the best parts, you couldn't make up a Nicodemus. He looked at him and says, you must be born again. You ain't even going to see the kingdom of God. You, you have no clue the kingdom of God. This guy is a teacher in Israel, knows more scripture than any of us. And he wasn't born again. You must be born again. Number two, I wrote on prayer. Number three, the Word. By the Word of God. Every one of the books have a, a scripture title. This one comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, no, 1, 23. It says this. Being born again, not of a corrupt seed, of corruptible seed, that's your folks. <laughs> Come on. If you don't think so, look in the mirror today. When you get home, we're falling apart. Say Amen. Look at them crow's feet. I mean, I used to have hair. <laughs> We're following that. Being born again, not of corrupted seed. You can't get in on just the physical stuff. Being born again, not of corrupted seed, but of incorruptible. And he says, what's incorruptible? The Word of God. Not that book. Let's hold up the book. This is incorruptible by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is like grass. That's a metaphor. That's a figure of speech that talks about all flesh, all of humanity. In fact, all of animal, all, anything that's flesh, for all flesh is like grass. You know what that means? You just got your mowers out a few days ago. Guess what? You'll be putting them up. In a, before you know it, you'll be putting them up for the last time on that grass. What it talks about is your life goes by quickly. That's what the figure of speech is like. And the glory of man is like the flower of the field. The flower of the field it makes reference to is the field lily in Israel. Jesus said he was the lily of the valley. This is the lily. It's a three-day flower. On the first day of its beginning to blossom, it gets three-quarter bloom. On the next day, its full bloom gives off its beautiful color and its fragrance. On the third day, it's like this, and the fourth day, it's dead. You know what he says about the glory of man? If you knew how much energy I had spent on that which is perishing, at one time, my life was consumed with sports, which can become a god in this country. It can become a god. I was just consumed with it. I think about all that stupid weightlifting and running and all the stuff I try to do to make myself a better athlete for a few stinking pieces of metal that hung on a letters jacket. I can't even find them now. Joyce used to let the kids play with them. They lost it. They don't mean anything to me now. Are any of you following this? And it's the same thing with all the... CEO, all the things we pursue in this life and the business and the accolades that man gives us. The glory of man is fleeting. You'll be forgotten in a heartbeat by man, but not by God. He will never forget you. He will know. Who'd you live for? Your glory of mine. Life begins to make sense when you live for a glory other than yourself. You find how to do that in this book, the Word of God. Let me give you another now. Being born again, not of corrupt seed, but of incorrupt by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is like grass, and the glory of man like the flower of the field. The grass withereth, and the flower falleth away. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. How do you know heaven and earth is going to pass away, but His Word's not going to pass away? 
How many of you know that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven? You want to know the text we're going to have in heaven? Ta-da! How do you think we could spend a thousand years in time and we couldn't even begin to scratch the surface of the great truths hidden in the Bible? Man, what a great book. Make it your book. Read the Word of God daily and pray. Spend time in prayer. Build up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, this is the advice, the counsel I would give to our own grandchildren. And so I give it to you. I just give it to you. Ask yourself this question. What is my source of truth? If the Bible is not my source of truth, what is my source of truth? Am I my source of truth? Do I determine a lie and truth, right and wrong, good and evil? Bittersweet, light, dark. Do, am I the one who determines that? Am I the one who says right and wrong? Whew. You don't have to be honest very long to come to the conclusion, I cannot be my source of truth. Is the church the source of truth? Church. How you know when I use that word, it takes in a whole lot of stuff. Did you know that? The church says it, it must be true. Ooh, how do you know the church has been guilty of a few untruths? What's my source? Is the government <laughs> my source of truth? <laughs> you got that, didn't you? How many of you think we might have been lied to once by one rare politician somewhere? It's not our source of truth. It's science. Ah, how many of you know they drumroll science today as the source of truth? Science tells us that you're just a series of accidents over billions of years. You're related to fungus. You're just a product of an unguided process. Lie. That's a lie. In the beginning, God, from there on out, it's a book of faith. He spoke and it came into being. That same word he spoke is the whole. You run down the list of things that you know of that are eternal. The soul of man, the God of heaven, and his word. You can hold his word in your hand. The titles in this book are simply this. Read it daily. Jesus said to the Pharisees, have you not read? I wonder what he implied there. If you can read, read your Bibles. Read it carefully. Read it daily. Study it carefully. Don't you live off just someone else's parakeeting to you a truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, and needeth not to be ashamed. If you know Jesus as your Savior, he puts his spirit within you. Guess who the author is of the book? You got the author and interpreter living within. You need not that any man teach you. You don't have to be taught by other men. God gives us teachers, praise his holy name, how we've all benefited. But if you'll spend time studying, he will teach you. He will teach you the way in which you should go. Because you're going to get a lot of advice on what way you should go. Find out the way he would have you go. Study it. Read it daily. Study it carefully. Memorize it intentionally. There has been nothing that's changed the course of my life more than scripture memory. When you learn to hide it in your heart, it'll keep you from sin. It really will. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance about the time you're, about the time you're ready to make a fool of yourself. The Holy Spirit will say, uh, and he'll give you a scripture. And now you've got to make a choice. Who am I going to serve, me? What's my source? 
Because if the Bible's not your source of truth, you have to ask, what is? Read it daily, study it carefully, memorize it intentionally. Um, meditate on it continually. Let it be on your mind. If you want to be a success, and no matter what you do, you want to be a successful husband. You want, by the way, if you're going to marry, no, that's a whole other sermon. I heard that. Okay. Yeah, I wish we heard that. <laughs> Read it daily, study it carefully, memorize it intentionally, meditate on it continually. Um, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. What is success? Nice house, nice job, nice car, nice vacation, nice family. Nice. What really is success? It's to know God. Just to know God. You don't know what's on the, you don't know what the sovereign God of heaven has on your plate and what you're going to face. But you know him. He'll see you through it. He'll see you through it. Meditate. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Think deeply, ponder, reflect, go back over, go back over, go back. Verses I thought I had understood five years later, ten years later, God gives me a new depth to an old truth that affects the way I'm living. He channels the course of my life in the direction he wants me to go. And I become rooted and built up and established in the faith and strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Those things happen when you meditate. Bless the man that walketh not in the counsel of God, nor standeth the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorn, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. You know what that means? I don't depend upon all of the rains out here. I've got a constant source, the well of living water. Roots can just go up hard times. Reach out there and get them. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Sounds like a promise. The promises. Obey it passionately. Share it lovingly. Well, so what I want to do is I want to give each of you a copy of this. You can throw her to the wind or do what you want to with her. I was never good in math either. I've got to quiet these up here. Was there six originally? I'm going to give you one for the one that's not sitting with these, and I'm just going to pass them out. You take that, give that to them. I want to hand this to them. Huh? You didn't write it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> God bless you. The things I've said to you this morning, I have said to my children and my grandchildren. And I am rich in the things money can't buy. We are blessed with our family. And when you get where I'm at in your journey, if time stands, and you will, you look back over your shoulder with nothing but gratefulness to God for his word, that I have access and can talk to him. The Christian life's the only one to live. It's the only one. And by his grace, may you do that. Can I pray? And I'll just hand the baton to you, Heavenly Father. Take this avalanche of seemingly disjointed thought. Would you distill it down to two things? Eternity and faith. Everybody's living by faith. Ain't nobody here, even the atheist, is living by faith. But God, may these young people grow strong in their faith. And may you, the Savior, become theirs. May they walk in your ways 
Teach them your ways, O God, and show them your paths and help them to walk in them. Give them grace for their living. Be merciful to them in their dying. May their love for you be obvious in how they love others. God, a host of other prayers. We just lift them up to you. Oh, God, preserve them. Keep them from the evil one who would love to steal every blessing you have and who would love to destroy every relationship and who would kill them if he could were not your protective hedge about them. Raise them up, be mighty men and women of God. In a culture that seems bent, as in all those cultures that preceded it, bent on going away from you. Now, be lights right in the midst, right in the midst of the crooked and perverse nation in which we live. Help them to shine. Grow them in your grace, I pray in Jesus' precious name.